0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. If this is your first time with us, my name is Andrew. I'm the preaching pastor of Anchor Church. Uh, If you'd go with me to Colossians chapter 2, we will be preaching from uh, verses 8 and following, pardon me, verses 6 and following. Uh, I will pray for us and we'll go ahead and dig in. Uh, King Jesus, this is your day and your word. Uh, I pray for us that as we have received you, we would so walk in you, Lord that what You have done in coming to earth and saving us from ourselves and dying on the cross and purchasing us would not just be a positional reality for us, but a reality we're living in day in and day out, and that we would live that out both as individuals and as a people for Your glory. And we just pray You would help us to that end, You'd empower us to that end, that we would live in this reality knowing that we can't do anything to earn Your love, that this isn't to earn Your love, but because we've been loved we respond to your love by walking in your ways and living for your glory. Uh, Holy Spirit, please empower this word today uh, and help us, Jesus, to understand it. We love you, Lord, and praise things in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, so we're in Colossians chapter 2, uh, we're working our way through uh, the whole of the New Testament and we're looking at what every book of the Bible has as a central core and cent- central message and the hope here is that we as a people own the word for ourselves, that you own the Bible for yourself, that you own the New Testament for yourself and that you know this thing very, very well and today we are in Colossians and Colossians is sort of a, it's sort of an easy book in the sense that uh, really he just doesn't let up, Paul doesn't let up Uh, inspired by the Spirit uh, on the reality that this is who Jesus is and this is how we live in the wake of that glory. And really at the core of Colossians is this message is you've received Christ Jesus, uh, walk in Him. And I think this is so crucial for us uh, because I think it's a tendency for Christian people to think in your mind uh, about what a mature Christian looks like. Or maybe in your mind you have a mature Christian in your mind. Maybe it's your grandma, maybe it's John Calvin, maybe it's John Wesley, maybe it's somebody, but you have somebody in your mind and they are the mature person. And we as Christians, we receive this good news of the gospel. You hear the word of your salvation, that the God of the universe entered into human history to save you from yourself, to die in your place, to give you new life, and that you cannot earn His love and that He crosses the gap that you can't. And if you're not a Christian and you've never heard this message, this is the gospel we believe, that God crossed the gap that we can't cross, uh, that we are sinners in need of salvation. Uh, But we receive this, you hear it, and you say, yeah, I'm in. I believe Jesus. I believe this truth. And then sometimes it feels like our growth and our maturity and our what's called sanctification can stall out. And you say, I want to be mature and I want to grow and I want to be like my grandma or I want to be like John Calvin or I want to be like whoever we have in our mind. And we miss that God is at work in our lives. And I would say two things. One, uh, there are actual things we can do to pursue Jesus more and more and that we shouldn't forget that sometimes even when we, and just even as we get into this word, Sometimes even it doesn't when it doesn't feel like we're growing in Christ, we are, and that if you love Jesus, you will be. Um, but also, there are actual things we can do, steps we can take, and lives. And by steps, by the way, I don't mean here's ten steps to maturity. I mean walking down the path towards Jesus. Steps we can take towards Christ, and so we're going to look at three things today: what it means for us to walk in Jesus, uh, what it means for us to receive. Uh, and walk in that reality. And so three things, walking in Jesus, uh, fighting for Jesus, and living because of Jesus. So we'll start in verse 6 of chapter 2 in Colossians. So here we are. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. There's two things happening. You've received Jesus, now walk in Him. Right? So, The the, the reality of the God of the universe has impacted your life. Now walk in the wake of the reality of that. This is the Christian life. You've received Christ, which means you're a Christian. Now, live as a Christian. Uh, Walk in Him. And a big part of this is what we'll call sanctification. As you've received Christ, walk in Him. That we grow in Christ. We change Christ changes us. Knowing Jesus changes who we are. Living and apprehending more and more the reality that you can't actually earn the love of God, but that it's just being poured out on you in lavish ways. This is to change us. The worship of Jesus changes us. Knowing God changes us. Knowing his word changes us. And so as you've received Jesus, walk in him. And so sanctification has a couple of pieces. The word sanctification means to sanctify, to be made holy, right? There's positional sanctification. You are holy. If you love Jesus, he died on the cross to pay the price for your sins, and you are positionally, where you stand in the universe, right with God, and you're loved, and you're forgiven, and your people made new. This is who you are. And yet there's a progressive, what's called progressive sanctification to that, changing, right? different things. Uh, I've been a Christian for a number of years now, and there's things that I'm like, that I get to, and I realize, man, this needs to change, and this has just been kicking around the whole time I've been a Christian, and it's time for this thing, whatever it might be, to change, and and honestly, I think God had work to do in my life before we got there, uh, but when when we realize it's a process by which he makes us more and more holy, and we're not made more and more holy for holiness sake. God's in the process of dusting the dirt off of our lives to make us more like his son, to give us more joy so that we can see him clearer, so we can know him more, so we can have more of the life that he's really intended us for, for us to live. And there's a final sanctification coming, and that's where we're just holy, but that doesn't come until we die. So we can look forward to that day when we have no sin, uh, which is a great thing to imagine when we're there with Jesus, face to face with no sin. That's final sanctification, that's a really important thing to remember when you're knee-deep in the fight, by the way. There is a day coming, and Jesus has purchased that day, and it is coming. So we have this sanctification, right? Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. It's the process in the life by which we are walking uh, in Him. And there is that reality, that sanctification reality, where you might even be saying, why won't this change? I want this to be different in my life. Why... Why isn't it changing quicker? Jesus, will you just, come on, get to work, right? He is at work, by the way. He's sanctifying you. He's changing you. He's making you more holy. We live in, as to use the words of a great old-timey preacher, John Stott, we live as people between two worlds. We live here in what's called, we'll call existential reality. Great day to choose to use the word existential when it's family service, right? Existential reality. That's just life as we know it. When you find yourself caught in that sin or that 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 thing that you just want to change and you want to be different, but you're kind of you feel stuck. That's existential reality, but that positional reality—your love, forgiven, your people made new, you are holy, you have been sanctified—that's essential reality. That's the real reality. When the dust gets blown off, that's what's actually going to stand. And so, as we get changed, as we're walking in Jesus, as we're being changed. As we're living in that, the way things are, hoping for the, the way things are going to be, the way things as we maybe experience them, there's the way things we experience them, the way things are, we actualize the reality of who you are as you grow in dependence on Jesus, as you see him clearly, as you love him more, as you become more forgiving or more loving or, or more Jesus centered or, or, or just realizing more and more how forgiven you actually are. That's the who you are, the old man, or the new man, pardon me, taking off the old man and you're living in the actualized reality of who you are. It's the change that comes from walking with the Lord. So verse 8, see to it, oh, pardon me, verse 6. Therefore, as you have received Christ, you're Christians, walk in him. You're Christians, right? We're Christians. I'm a Christian. Maybe you're not a Christian. This is the first time you're hearing the gospel. If you are, welcome. But for those of us who know Jesus, we're changed by him and actually live in the ways that he's purchased for us. Paul says this, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. There's three things going on here and they're happening all at the same time. There's being rooted, there's building up, and there's being established or confirmed. So so rooted means to be driven down in the reality of who Jesus are. You are rooted in Jesus if you are a Christian. We're, we're, We're seeking to have our lives more and more rooted in reality, the reality of who Jesus is. And I think one of the important things to even just begin to ask ourselves, if you feel like your maturity. Christ is stalled out, if you don't feel like you're growing in Jesus or growing in grace or growing, are you actually rooted in the reality that Jesus has purchased for you? Are you actually walking in this or are you rooted in something else? There's 10,000 other stories the world is telling that we root ourselves in. You've got to be the the fastest or the strongest or the wealthiest or the whatever, the, the ists. And we root ourselves in it. Or or a whole narrative identity, how the universe functions, and we become rooted in that, rather than in the reality that you are loved, forgiven, blood-bought people. That God is the God of the universe, and He's the sovereign over absolutely everything. We buy into different stories, and we begin to root ourselves in other things, but we actually need to root ourselves in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now that we have this foundation that is Jesus, His love for you, we build on it right? We, we build the house on the foundation. We build on it, and we build it up. And how do we get rooted then? Uh, so I want you to see it as like a spiral. These are happening at the same time. How do we get more and more rooted in the reality of Jesus? Well, on the top of the list, you spend time listening to Jesus. You open the Bible, and you listen And as you've received Christ, you walk in it. We build that house. We build upon this house of sanctification by actually doing the things he calls us to do, by actually listening to his voice and allowing the reality of who he is and what he's done to change us. The story of who God is to to, to just seep into our lives and to be our reality. Uh, When we're not doing this, when we're rooted in whatever it might be, when we're rooted in the modern world, when I'm just trying to be a modern 2016 American and not too weird like those weird Christians, what I end up doing is I build my foundation on something else and I take the reality of the Bible and I try and then make this thing, this life in Christ fit, fit the thing I'm actually rooted in, which will honestly incline me to start taking stuff out and throwing it away. Well, that doesn't fit in 2016, and that doesn't fit in 2016. Sin, that doesn't fit in 2016. That you need a Savior and you can't save it, that doesn't fit in 2016. And we start putting stuff in the garbage can. And so all of a sudden we're rooted in something, and guess what? When you start putting stuff from the, the Word in the garbage can, you build a different house uh, than the house that's rooted in the Scripture and the Bible and who Jesus is and what He has done. And the reality is when we're rooted in the Scripture when we're living in the scripture, when you've received Jesus and you're walking in him, we do this This third thing. What does it say? It says established in him, in the faith, pardon me, and established in the faith. Um, this established means like confirmed. It means confirmed. It means devoted. It means the more that I build my life on the reality of Jesus and the more that I walk it out, the more faith, And trust I have in him. Because it turns out, the more storms you weather holding tightly to Jesus, and the more times by his sovereign hand you weather that storm, whether it's the way you want to weather the storm or not, the next time the next storm's coming, when you're rooted and built it up, you've received and you're walking, say, That is a storm. And I don't think we can get out of that storm. That storm is coming. And just like the last one, Jesus has it. He's got me. We're we're established. And and all these things lead to our sanctification. They change us. Being rooted in, built up, and just confirmed in the faith. These changes actually make us more mature. This is Christian maturity. is to be rooted and founded in who he is. The, the, The maturity is standing on the bow of the ship and say, here it comes. And God's got it again. Jesus has it Again. Uh, uh, being rooted rooted here helps us even as we help other people build. If we're rooted in the gospel, when someone asks you for advice on marriage or parenting or friendship or business or work, the thing that is more inclined to come out of your life, if you're rooted in the gospel, being built up in the gospel, and established in the gospel is what? Gospel. More and more, the thing that you're willing to answer with is Jesus. Even, uh, let me tell you about the storm he took me through. Let me tell you about what He does. Let me tell you about how He forgives. Uh, Let me tell you about how He is our joy. You're struggling. You've got this thing. You're finding your joy in something other than Jesus. Let me tell you the truth about the joy we find in Christ. This This is who we are as a people. Therefore, as you received Christ the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up Him, and established in the face, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. That means other people are doing it. Other people are reminding you of the truth. And God has given us this gift that we get to be rooted in and established in and built upon the reality of who he is. Salvation. I'm going to use a big word because it's family-style service and so then you realize that as you put it in your words. Monergistic is the word. When God saves us, it's mono. He reaches down his hand and pulls us out. He reaches across the gap that we've made between ourselves and God and grabs us. Now, sanctification, the rooting, establishing, and the being built up, is actually a synergistic action. What do I mean by that? So he pulls us out. He makes us new. He gives us new minds, new hearts, new lives, and, and so Jesus, loving us, working these things out in us, uh, has, has made us new. And as new people, then we get after following Jesus. We get after being established and rooted in Jesus. We get after who he is and all that he does. And to be frank, there's so many things where people are inclined to be, and I've got this method for you. Jesus doesn't have a method for you. It's Jesus. There are very simple things we can do to know Jesus more. Very, very, very simple things. For starters, we, we read and be enveloped by the truth of his word. You can say you want to be like your, your sanctified, wonderful, God-glorifying grandma or grandpa or whomever you know. Or just that person you know that they always have that answer for you. When, they're, when, they're, when you have a problem, their answer is always Jesus, but not in a simple way. right? Because that's not helpful. You call, you say, I really, really, hey, uh, is anyone named Bobby Joe? Bobby Joe. Bobby Joe, I have a tax problem. I, I missed, I, I didn't realize, I thought it wasn't the 18th, it was the 19th. The IRS is really unhappy with me. What do I do? Jesus. Well, thanks? Well, we're Christians. Be honest with them. Tell them the truth. Give them a call. Maybe they won't throw you to the dogs. Oh, okay. You mean I shouldn't lie? I, I think if I lie, I can get around it. No, just call them and tell them the truth and work it out. Whatever that might be, how, how do they get there? And how do we get there? How do we become mature? Because the reality is, as, as Christians, there's this sense that we never feel like we arrive. Because the arrival point is a life without sin knowing Jesus face to face. Which, guess what? Here on planet Earth, we, we don't get there. You know, we don't get there. Most of the most famous theologians are like, well, that guy was really, really holy on their deathbed. They're like, if I just had a little more time. If I could just know a little bit more, if I could follow him a little more, if I could love a little bit more. But knowing the word, it's a means of grace to you. I mean, this is going to look a little different in different times, but it's 2016 and most of us can read. And most of us own I've got multiple Bibles. If you need a Bible, I can give you. I mean, we have some, and you can have one for free, but I have just Bibles laying around because we live in 2016, and I have Bibles. People leave them at my house, and I will scratch the little gold off it, and I will give it to you. will be like, pack. Right. There are means of grace all around. You, you can know this book. You can know this Bible. You can know this and own it for yourself. You want to be sanctified? Start by getting the dust off the thing, right? Is it growing dust in your house? Are you reading God's Word? Is this dusty? Classic song, Dust on the Bible, Dust on the Holy Word. Great song from like 1955, so you've never heard it. But anyways, you say you want to grow, and you say you want to know Jesus, and your Bible's just sitting on your desk with a lot of dust on it, and you're Surprised that you're not growing in the gospel of Jesus Christ? He's given you the means to grow. I mean, look around. It's awkward because we're here and then you look around and you see people. God's actually put people in your life. No one did it, of course, because it's really awkward. You don't have to because it's awkward. God's given you a room full of people who want to help you grow in the gospel and you, are, and you you are given the opportunity to help grow in the gospel. God will help you. I have never had a time in my life when I've called out to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want to grow. There's dust on my Bible. I I need some help. Will you help me grow? And that Jesus has said, no. Never, ever. This is experiential, but that's never happened in my life. And in fact, I don't know anyone who's ever said, I just keep reading my Bible and praying that Jesus would make me more loving and gracious and kind, but he just won't do it. I've I've never seen that happen. I've never, ever seen that happen. And so as we're seeking to be sanctified, we're we're, we're walking in who He is, we're seeking to to root our life down in the reality and the bedrock of the Bible and to build our whole life uh, on this and and to, to then also be established. And I would just urge you, how are we doing here? How are you doing here? Is this something you think about? Do you take any time to assess your spiritual health and look at your life and ask if you're actually growing in the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ? Are you, as Paul's going to say here, abounding more in thanksgiving? Are you a more thankful person? Are you a more gracious person? Are you a more forgiving person? You have to ask that question of yourself. How How do we begin to assess this? What are you doing with your time? I can tell you, if, if you were to, and nobody, nobody do this, don't send me this email, I don't actually want to see it, but if you blocked out for me last week, and you gave me a spreadsheet of what you did with your time last week, I bet I could tell you what's important to you. Um, don't do this either, it, don't do this at all, please. If you sent me your credit card statement or your bank account, I bet I could tell you what's important in your life. I bet I could tell you what's the priority uh, in your life. And so I don't want to do that, but I would encourage you to do it. Where are you putting your money? Where are you putting your time? Where are you putting your thoughts? Are you meditating on Jesus? Do you think about Jesus? Uh, Does the phone thing go off and you're like, oh, I guess it's Sunday and I go to church again? Or is this day in, day out, you seeking after Jesus? Do you help your spouse grow in holiness and love of the Lord? Do you help your kids or your friends? Do you surround yourself with friends who need to grow? And also do you surround yourself with people who will help you grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is that even a priority? Is that something you even think about? Is this something you even care about? Because I'm telling you, there's nothing more to care about than knowing Jesus more and being more uh, like him. Uh, Verse 8, our second point. It's also a fight. See to it that no one takes you Captive. Captures you. Takes you off. (laughs) See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy uh, and empty deceit. And he gives two two sort of fountainheads of those, uh, philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition and according to elemental spirits. So malevolent spiritual forces such as Satan and his minions and people. Uh, of the world and do uh, and he makes it clear for us thank you Paul and not according to Christ. So as much as we are seeking and fighting day in and day out to have our life built on the reality of Jesus there are forces internal, external and spiritual working against your sanctification. there are our forces working against you being rooted in and loving Jesus more and more there, there are human tradition now. Paul is likely in Colossians. He's writing this letter to a people who he does not know personally, but knows their buddy uh, who's taking the letter to them. Uh, there's something going on in Colossi. There's likely either one, two, or three. A. There's probably Judaizers that are called Judaizers. So they're people who are saying, "Okay, yes, yes, Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Oh, and by the way, you also need to keep kosher." That's what you need to do to be safe. They're adding Old Covenant Jewish stuff on New Covenant people. On the other side, you have probably what is most technically called proto-Gnosticism, but just think hyper New age spirituality. That's that's what we're looking with. They're hyper-spiritual people, probably really influenced by Greek thinking. Or option three, it's a combination of the two uh, in one package. It doesn't really matter because Paul's answer to this problem is Jesus. This is the truth of the gospel. is cutting through the things that aren't true and getting to what is true. And so he writes to them and says, not human tradition. We love human tradition. There are human beings who are saying all kinds of things about what you should believe about the Bible who don't believe any of it at all, right? We live in a time and a place where people think that the church, uh, people who believe the Bible, need to bow to modernity and, and do what modern people think. And we need to do that garbage can business. That doesn't fit with modern blah, 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 garbage, garbage, garbage. Get rid of it. You've got to get with the program. There are those who would say, well, if your thing, the Bible, the thing, is opposed to what we see and how we see the world working, how we see people working, it's got to change. It's got to go. You guys got to knock it off. And there's pressure. Lots and lots of pressure to do that. And on the other side, there's just Satan who hates you and wants you to die, who doesn't want you to love Jesus, who doesn't want you to know the Word, and doesn't care what he does to get you there. Uh, And and I think more often than not, we always think it's going to be fireworks. It's not fireworks, typically. You just have to love your job more than Jesus. You just have to love money more than Jesus. You just have to love your car more than Jesus. You just have to love something more than Jesus by making it an idol, by the way, when we do that. The thing you worship is the center of your life. That's what's called an idol. That's sin. By loving things more than Jesus, take you away from Jesus. And that's what they're after. According to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Now here is Paul's apologetic for why we shouldn't do that. Verse 9. For in him the fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him. By the way, this is Jesus. This is the second member of the Trinity. And he now empowers you. He's given you that new heart and that new mind and this new life so you can pursue Jesus, so you can know Jesus. He's the one filling you and moving in your life so that you can put one foot in front of the other, getting after the Lord Jesus Christ in all that you do. Who is the head and the rule of all authority. He's the king. In him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised also with him through the faith and and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. That's a mouthful. It's a long Greek sentence without a comma. Because they don't use commas. Or periods for that matter. In the Old Covenant, there was outward expression of holiness. Now, there is outward expression of holiness as the church because it's flowing from our hearts. But as they were circumcised on the outside, as Christians, we are circumcised on the inside. And Jesus is going to say this. You'll know a tree by its fruit. You'll know what's happening inside because of the things they bear. You see a Christian who's grumpy, who doesn't like other Christian people, who spends their time tearing down people, is greedy, is selfish. There's a problem. But, but if you know the love of God in Christ Jesus, if you've received him and you're walking in him, you're going to be more loving and more gracious and more kind, and you're going to change. Now, we don't do those things so people would say, oh, man, that guy's so loving, gracious, and kind. He must really be a Christian. We do that because Jesus has loved us. It's the outward working of the inward thing. So circumcision now is a new inward thing. It's a changed heart. And now baptism is, how we, is the, the outward recognition of what's already happened in Christ. And when we do baptism, this is why we baptize grown-ups, because they confess with their lips and believe with their heart, and they've been circumcised in the heart. Uh, oftentimes people who are infant baptizers say, well, baptism's the new circumcision. And I say, no, it's actually the heart circumcision that's the new circumcision. So we, we get baptized. It's, it's an outward expression that this person has died and risen with Christ that the person they were is dead in the water. We come up really quick, by the way. If you've never been baptized, it's not scary. Down, up, down, up. We've been baptized as a, an outward expression that, that who we were has died, and now we have risen and walk with Jesus. As we've received Him, we walk in Him. And, and, but listen to what we get to take to the bank having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power working of God who raised him from the dead. And you were dead. Paul's sober assessment of where we are spiritually out apart from Christ. We are sinners against God. We are sinners against people. Uh, we do take high performance sports vehicles, motorcycles, job, success, power, or any other thing and make it God. And in so doing, we try and displace God from his right place in the center of the universe and say, God, you're not God. This motorcycle is God. It doesn't seem silly when you're doing it, by the way. But in real life, that's what we're doing. We're we're pushing God out of his right place in the center of the universe and saying, this is the center of my life, not the God of the universe. We while out, we sin against people, we hurt people, or then we just do the right things for the wrong reasons. I am kind to you so that karma will deliver kindness back to me. I'm not being kind to you. I'm being kind to myself. I'm doing the right things for the wrong reasons. And in all those things, we're dead. You were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with Him. Now listen. Here's why we pursue Him. This is why we pursue maturity. This is why we want to grow. Having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. All my sin all my iniquity, everything I've ever done wrong. If you are a Christian, everything you've ever done wrong to anyone, right things, wrong reasons, wrong things, bad things, whiling out, pretend gods, whatever it is, it is on the cross and you are forgiven. You are free. And because he's done this, we get after him. He dis- oh, and by the way, verse 15, he disarmed the rulers and the authorities. That's satanic forces, its demonic forces, evil forces, and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Charles Haddon Spurgeon uses the illustration that Satan is like a dragon that's had his head cut off. His tail's still whipping around and he's still dangerous, but he's done. He was defeated on the cross. And as Christians, that's why evil spiritual forces don't have a hold on us. That's why we don't walk in new agey stuff. That's why we don't do pluralism. That's why we don't do the stuff of Seattle. And that's why we don't go to Buddhist temples and things because we've been set free. And what does Jesus have to do with any of that stuff? We don't do Zen meditation because Zen meditation's about that stuff. We don't have anything to do with that stuff because we belong to Jesus. And not only that, we don't have to have anything to do with Satan or that stuff because he's triumphanted over them on the cross triumphed over them in the cross now all of this amounts to this life walking in Jesus how do I if I've received Jesus then how do I walk in him Uh, I don't have a uh, weekend in Cabo where you pay a bunch of money and we walk through the steps of success honestly it's so simple and honestly, I think often the reason why, it, well, it's not working. I'm not feeling sanctified. Like I said earlier, honestly, I think a lot of times we're not taking advantage of the things God has actually given us as a means of grace that we would grow in him. God has spoken to people in his word and you can open the Bible and hear God's voice. The spirit will illumine this truth to you and change you with it. Not only that, there are formal and informal ways, even in this community that we will help you. Yeah, 6 a.m. is early Thursday morning when you go to open up Malachi this week. Next week, Malachi. You go and you open up Malachi, which means it took them longer in Zechariah 14 than they had anticipated because the word is amazing. They're supposed to be in Malachi. We were supposed to be in Malachi. We're still in Zechariah, apparently. There's a lot there. Zechariah 14 is crazy. There are literally people who are sitting in a coffee shop on Thursday morning with coffee in their hand and if you show up, we'll help you read the Bible. You don't even have to make an appointment. We're just there reading the Bible. It's a means of grace. There are people who will sit with you and help you understand this. There are uh, classes we put on so you can understand theology and things. There is a means of grace, and I don't mean to preach it too hard because I usually use it as a negative sermon illustration, called Amazon. If you don't have a Bible and you don't want to get one for me or from the table, you can actually get one and they will bring it to your house like this afternoon. Like this afternoon. As much as I rip on it, I do like getting a book that I order in the morning in the afternoon. Uh, it's simple. This is your Bible. Find a pace to read it that you can read the whole thing in a year. can start today. You don't have to wait till January because it's April. It's April, right? And here's the thing. If you grab a Bible reading plan and you start reading it and you get stuck, people will help you. But if you, get, if, you, if you put it down, it's a little dust on it because it sits there for a couple of days. You know what you do? Instead of giving up, you just dust it off, pick it up and start reading. That's what you do. You want to know it deeply? Grab a couple of good commentaries and own a book. Read it slowly and own it. It's a great thing to do. Uh, it's a great thing to do Just grab a book, grab a couple commentaries, and start working on it. We're we're given these means of grace. We're given prayer. We're given a direct line to the God of the universe who is sovereign and mighty to save. I want to grow. Ask for Jesus to help you. I want my neighbors to meet Jesus. What do we do? Well, whatever we do, do. Maybe it starts with saying, Jesus, will you do a miracle next door? Will you do a miracle across the street? We really want Anchor Church to be a church that reaches people. We want to tell people about who Jesus is. Where do we start? 9.30 on Sunday morning, people meet here and pray. Show up. You don't even have to show up and me. You can pray anywhere because we're Christians and you have a direct line to God through Jesus Christ. We've got the Bible. We've got prayer. We've got community. And not only that, God has given us a context to be sanctified and live it out. Because we don't live in a bubble, right? Tomorrow you're going to go to work, or you're going to school your kids, or you take your kids to school, whatever you're going to do, and there are going to be situations where uh, the world, human tradition, and even spiritual forces combat you, come against you. Maybe you don't like, you're not supposed to say this because you're Christian, maybe you just don't like one of your coworkers, and they're very, very, very difficult to work with. Maybe not. Maybe you just have the greatest coworkers in the world. And if you do, praise the Lord. That's an opportunity to be sanctified. It's really easy to love people you like. When you don't like people, it's really hard to be gracious and generous to them. But we don't be generous and gracious to them from our own strength, but from the reality that Jesus has been so generous and gracious to us. And we're not being generous and gracious to them because they're awesome. We're being generous and gracious to them because Jesus is awesome. And so not only are we given these means, but we're also given a way to work it out where God will make you more holy and he will change you. Uh, If you don't know Jesus, this is reality. This is who God is. God has crossed the gap that you can't to forgive you for your sins, to save you from yourself, to give you new life in him. I beg you. Christianity is not a story where you make yourself holy by doing things yourself, but we turn to Jesus in our mess and our unholiness and say, please, Jesus, save me. And if you don't know him, today's the day. And if you feel like your walk is stalled out, if you're looking at this and saying, man, okay, so I've received Christ, I'm a Christian, but rooted, built up, and established are not things I would use to describe myself. What do I do? Again, it's not a big conference. Dust off your Bible. Ask for prayer. Have people pray with you. Fill your life with Christian stuff. And, and I mean this in the best possible way, not in a, uh, uh, a cloistered uh, 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 sectarian way where we're just shutting out the world. But when you look at your life, you're like, well, I don't read my Bible. I, I, watch, I spend all my time watching things that are uh, opposed to Christ, even indirectly, all the music I listen to, everything I do, I saturate myself in a world that is actually opposed to Jesus, and I'm not changing at all. I'm not even anchored in the word as I go out into that word to share the gospel. Are you surprised? I mean, really, when you hear it that way, you realize, okay, so yeah. All I listen to is Garth Brooks. All all I watch, all I watch is cheers. And I eat all my food at the Jack... No, the Jack Box doesn't have anything to do with it. I watch che- I'm trying to make sure that the only one I really could pick on here is me, even though I don't watch Cheers anymore. But all, but all I do is I saturate myself in Garth Brooks and Cheers, and I fill my mind with the things that I get off of uh, my NPR phone app. And I don't read my Bible, and I don't spend time with Christians, and I don't do anything, and I'm surprised that I'm not going, growing in the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Dust off your Bible. Come to him in prayer. We're going to have a potluck. Come potluck with us. And, And if you are walking, and again, I'm not saying you have to feel like you're the super saint because even on the deathbed of the greatest saints, they feel like there's a lot of room to grow. If you're rooted, being rooted, and you're being built up, and you're being established, what are you doing to help with that teaching piece? How are you positioning your life to help other people grow in the gospel? One of the most beautiful things that I've found as a teacher of the Bible is that when I sit with people and I and we have that thing where we're going through the word, I learn a lot. God does mighty things. Like one of the greatest ways for you to grow is also to help other people grow. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Um, in a moment, we're going to transition to taking communion. Uh, we are. We do this as a people. We do this as a community, and we do this together because we've received Christ. He's forgiven us for our sins. He's made us new. He's given us new minds. He's given us new hearts. And we do this as a celebration of what He has done for us in His grace and mercy. And so together, when we're ready, we come up. If you're a Christian person, if you've received Christ, you come up and you receive this. And this is our public proclamation of His body broken and blood shed for our sins because we were sinners and He saved us by His grace and mercy. Uh, Paul admonishes us in 1 Corinthians, we consider our sin, we consider where we're being rooted or building on or being established in something other than Jesus and we turn from that and we turn to Him and we live for Him and we live for His glory. Uh, So we leave that behind and we turn from sin and we turn to Jesus and when we take this cup and when we stand up and sing, we do this as a great celebration that Jesus died on the cross to save us. and we're people made new. I'm going to pray for us. And we'll... King Jesus, this is your day and we are so thankful for it. We're so thankful that we've received the truth of the gospel. Help us, Jesus, to understand the word and not just understand the words and the sentences uh, and the, the, the punctuation on the page, but understand it in such a way that it changes who we are. It makes us love you and love each other more. It makes the aim of our life, our enjoyment and satisfaction in you and the glorification of you in all that we do. Help us to abound in thanksgiving. Help us to to reject and denounce the elemental spirits and the human tradition, uh, but to live in the reality uh, that you are the fullness of God and that we have been filled in you. Help us to worship you well, to know you, uh, and to share the truth of who you are with this city that needs you so desperately. Uh, Jesus, we love you and we pray these things for your glory and for our joy in your name, Jesus Christ, amen.